Hello, everybody. This is David Goldsmith, and welcome to the Age of Infinite. Throughout history, humans have made significant transformational changes, which in turn have led to the renaming of periods into ages. You've personally just experienced the information age, and what a ride it's been. <clears throat> now, we consider that you may right now be living through another transitioning age into the Age of Infinite, an age that is not defined by scarcity and abundance, but by redefined lifestyle consisting of infinite possibilities and infinite resources, which will be made through a new construct where the moon and earth, as we call it mirth, will create a new ecosystem and a new economic system that will transition us into the infinite future. The ingredients for an amazing sci-fi story that is coming to life in your lifetime. The podcast is brought to you by the Project Moon Hut Foundation, where we look to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon, <clears throat> a moon hut. We were named by NASA through the accelerated development of an Earth and space-based ecosystem, then to use the innovations, the paradigm-shifting thinking, and the endeavors to turn them back on Earth to improve how we live on Earth for all species. You can go to our website at projectmoonhut.org, and in the top right-hand corner, there are two videos. I always suggest video number one and number three. Today, we're going to be exploring an amazing topic tying right into Project Moon Hut, the role of evolution and its potential for improving life on Earth for all species. Wonder where that came from. With us today is Pascal Irenfrond. She's the professor of Space Policy Institute at George Washington University, president of the International Space University, just taken that over very recently, a scientist for decades focusing on planetary science and life in our solar system. Now, that said, because of many conversations, I want to go over with you very quickly how the podcast works so you understand its construct. There, uh, Pascal and I had a conversation. We invited a guest. The guest learns about Project Moon Hut, a little bit about what we are, and then we end up having a pre-call. We discuss the topic we want to go into, but we don't go into the details. I don't know anything about what Pascal is going to be talking about. Interviews go any from an hour and a half to upwards of four and a half, which was the longest. So. Pascal has designed her own program, and it's a conversation that we're having so that we learn. So that said, right in front of me right now, I have about 15 pieces of blank paper. I don't know her outline. I don't know where she's going to take us. So let's get started. Pascal, I know you have an outline. Can you please share that with us? Yes, I said, good, David. I'm, I have a very rough uh, outline because I think uh, we are going to have a conversation and um, the outline is just related to my fascination about um, science in general, but in particular also science about uh, our planet, um, how life originated, how our solar system originated. Uh, okay, so are you giving the outline? So what's number one? Incredible Earth. Incredible Earth. Number two. Uh, origins. Origins. Number three. Humans, um, a step in evolution. Four. What could our future be? Future be. Number five. Humans are venturing into further into the solar system. Six. Responsibilities. 
Zero number seven. Not now. <laughs> Maybe there will be. There will be. That's great. So, so let's start with number one, Incredible Earth. What, where are we going with this? Well, um, I have always been uh, fascinated um, about, you know, understanding where do we come from. Um, and for that, uh, you really need to a little bit to understand how our solar system was formed, uh, how the Earth was formed, and uh, what is actually our place in the universe. And so we have an enormous number of galaxies, stars, even now, since, uh, uh, since uh, some time we know about extrasolar planetary systems. And we have found, I think, more than 5,000 exoplanets uh, identified. Obviously, there are many more. Um, about 800 or more than 800 of them are multi multiple planetary systems, like our solar system. And so there is much out there which we will still discover. However, when we look at our Earth, um, it's a really, really extraordinary planet. Uh, it lies exactly in this habitable zone of our solar system, which means that we have uh, liquid water in, in, in the shape of oceans, which are very important part for life. We have an atmosphere. We have a magnetic field that protects us from dangerous radiation. We have a central star, the sun, which plays a really, really important role. Um, we have stable orbits of the planets because we have this Jupiter-like uh, neighbor. I um, um, saw so Jupiter, uh, uh, a neighbor, which is a very, very um, stabilizing somehow our solar system uh, through, to, through its gravitational forces. And when we look at our planet, um, life is everywhere yeah life has uh, also prevailed uh, uh, everywhere on our planet uh, we find uh, life forms uh, in the very very cold and and and, and dry antarctica uh, we find it in 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 deserts has, has been on uh, the surface of the earth and, and the oceans since probably 3.8 billion years ago. And um, it has been pretty robust. And um, so it, it is this important question, how unique is our planet? And um, how unique are we? Uh, because uh, compared to the age of the earth, which is uh, 4.5 billion years, um, humans have only been on the forefront of evolution for about between 150 or, or 200,000 years when we look at Homo sapiens. I'm and, going to ask uh, you just, I'm just going to ask because as you went through the look at our earth, I was, I was constantly saying to myself, okay, I hear this. We have a unique environment that works for our construct. And we believe that life in the solar system would have to be like ours in order to be life. I, I just, do you ever ask yourself, maybe this construct is just one construct and therefore we will go to a very cold, very dark, very isolated, very something, the polar opposite of everything you say and find a different form of life. Do you ever think of that? 
Well, of, uh, of course, we are looking at uh, a different form of life, of weird life. But uh, we know also uh, quite a lot about the elemental composition of the universe. We uh, know, for instance, that carbon is uh, a very, very uh, extraordinary, or extraordinary element. And our life is based on carbon. And um, carbon is every, we can find it everywhere in the universe. A lot of uh, organic molecules, which we find on, on Earth, we can also find uh, in uh, the different environments in the universe. So um, obviously we are thinking that there could be uh, different forms of life, but it is, will be also very, very difficult to detect it. So um, uh, they could be right here with us, right? Uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm just a really, uh, how do, uh, they would say, a scientist, which is, um, uh, is uh, I, I have uh, imaginations, but I also look at uh, elemental composition, at, at, at science facts. And uh, when you look at uh, our elements, and in particular of carbon, how it can actually create complex molecules, three-dimensional molecules, uh, it is a little bit like with water. Water is also so really, really fascinating and uh, probably a, a really, really important uh, ingredient for life. Obviously, we are looking at other liquids, but when you look at a perfect combination uh, um, of um, making a robust chemistry and carbon-based life, then um, I think we 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 um, we we can really look at these kind of signatures in our solar system or even beyond, uh, which are carbon based. So this is something what I'm 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 quite convinced of. Obviously, we will never know uh, what all is out there. It's also the problem: how do you want to detect it? Uh, you can actually only detect life as we know it. It's one of those. As you were speaking, I'm saying to myself. It is almost as if a, a, a culture on earth feels that they're so unique because they have their culture. And yet right around the, not far from them by a plane flight, there's another culture looking at the world completely differently. They don't see the same social structures. They don't see the same interactions. They don't see the same process of, of organization. And I, I'm one of those individuals who sits back and says, it's an arrogance for the human species to believe that we can understand the complexity of something or the, that we are a, a singular type of structure animal with carbon-based that, or, or our planet, that there couldn't be something else out there. It's just a thought. I, I wondered if you had that same- well, uh, that obviously, obviously, this is something what you can think of, but uh, when you actually look at the evolution uh, of uh, um, uh, which happened on Earth and how humans came to be, uh, it is a very complex and long-term process. So, as I said, 4.6 billion years, probably the most primitive life forms have originated between 3.5 and 3.8 billion years ago. But humans are only here uh, since approximately 200,000 years. So uh, this is really giving you a sense how complex it is actually to form something complex as humans. 
and that there has been an evolution going on with ups and downs and changes. And I think this is something which is quite fascinating to understand how evolutionary processes actually shape uh, life and um, also shape, of course, our future. And I think one of the most fascinating things is how actually life is interacting with all the uh, environmental changes because environment and life are, uh, are how do you say, strongly, strongly interacting and uh, helping each other. And uh, I think this is something which is very unique to a planet. And obviously on, 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 on other planets or eventually moons, um, these things can, uh, can, can work in a different way. But here on Earth, the outcome is an intelligent species, so intelligent that we, we might not even live that long, <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm always making this, this little paradox with my, uh, with my, uh, my students and, 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 and um, you know, we have a clock, you know, of the earth, uh, 4.6 billion years. And when you look at that, uh, humans are actually like a second on that clock. Yes. How long, how long are we still there? you know on this planet and will ever anybody know that we have been here in case we are extinct so this is something which um, I think is quite uh, dramatic um, and uh, in particular when you understand this four billion years and more evolution um, on the earth um, creating a, comp a complex species uh, like humans and a, a very intelligent species and then it, you consider what's what's gonna be the future and uh, uh how do we um uh how do we shape you know uh actually our future how we uh, what do we do with our planet and i think this is quite fascinating and what i'm a little bit uh, really sad uh and, and and think that people are not really interested by this question and if they uh would be uh, really educated in order to understand our origins, you know, starting at the origin of the universe and um, uh, starting, you know, at the origin of our solar system and how we came to be, which we still don't really know, um, uh, people would get more a feeling, you know, how uh, special, you know, this planet uh, very likely is, how, how special and how complex it is that we have evolved and would have more humility and would have more respect. This is something what I'm, uh, um, uh, what often goes through my uh, uh, through my head. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Part of my role and what we're doing is we we don't step on certain types of things. We're not a political group. We're not a religious group. We're not. We don't have categories. But as you were talking, you're asking someone to accept the origins and and belief structures that came out of science. And there's an argument as to how science is science, uh, uh, how much is science is real to certain people. And there are 5.8 billion, I just did a quick search, so Google knows everything, at least today. There are 5.8 people, billion people who are religiously affiliated. And many of these individuals have a, this whole construct you just spoke about is in conflict with their belief systems. So I, I know it's aspirational to say that if everybody was educated on the origins you'd have to some people would argue Pascal you're going in the wrong direction 
you really don't know where it came from. We do. Well, I must honestly say that there are a lot of um, uh, people which can uh, which um, uh, can have both. They can understand science and they do believe. Uh, you know, uh, they have religious belief and they believe in God. So this is something I think which is not uh, not mutually ex excuse exclusive. Um, of course, not in all religions, but I think uh, if we really uh, want to survive, if we uh, want um, uh, to shape this planet and our future uh, in a way uh, that, you know, we uh, can offer this planet actually to the future generations, I think we do need to understand uh, our environment and uh, what is important on our planet and we have to understand uh, what is happening um, uh, in with our climate and um, because I think it is a res responsibility for us in order to uh, to survive and to look at our future generations. So if you were to tell me if there were three things that I need to know about this planet, what would those three things be? I think it is um, uh, uh, it is to understand, you know, the uh, evolution of species. Uh, it is uh, to understand how our how fast, in particular, how fast of our, our environment uh, is changing and uh, what dangers uh, that uh, means for humanity, and how can we actually. Um, really be responsible and try to uh, reverse some of our decisions um, uh, to, uh, to be able to survive, survive uh, at least a little longer <laughs> on this planet. And I think this, this is a responsibility everybody has to think. And you cannot go around science in the way uh, that uh, to understand, you know, some of those really, really Im important parameters of our environment. I, I do believe uh, they're important. I think the challenges of the three items you listed are so overwhelming to the typical person. And let's take 7.8 billion people where, um, I don't know, the number escapes me today, but let's say 5.2 billion people live under the $3 per day number on a, as a statistical measure. That's not accurate. I'm just kind of throwing out a, a round number. The the challenge of living everyday life, the challenge of getting an education that will be able to differentiate and understand this. I don't think that's going to happen in the time frame in which necessary to make the changes that you brought up just in number two, that our environment is changing quickly. How do you how do you solve for that? The fact that this is not a priority. Uh, what do you mean? For whom it is not a priority? For 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 the average individuals going through every day who's trying to make a living, trying to eat. And, obviously, and ob 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 obviously, but um, I think in, in, in some way we have to, uh, to change the awareness uh, that, you know, there are really, really important problems uh, uh, on earth that we, um, we have to, uh, to offer, uh, you know, an, 
planet to our future generation and 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 that we uh, have to understand and the roots you know to to be able uh, they are lying in science and uh, in, in in understanding our evolution and our environment and um, explaining and and, and 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 making people aware of that i think is is, is crucial obviously uh, we will not be able to do that for everybody but uh, um, we will have to work into this direction uh, because we have at least to convince people um, that uh, we have to change sometimes our behavior as we are doing it now, for instance, looking at all the, uh, the different political decisions, you know, in, 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 in Europe uh, concerning energy. And um, I, uh, they, I, they I actually the decisions in it, the decisions in Europe are being forced upon by in many cases and, and there's an, a quick motion to, to make the changes because of a political or a uh, conflict going on. But well, a lot of the most a lot of the motion wasn't happening because people were no that... I would not say that Europe okay. is uh, yeah, very far far. Um, well, I lived in, I've lived in Luxembourg, I've lived in Europe, Asia, and I've lived in the United States. And while I was living in Luxembourg, I've got to say people drove cars everywhere. The infrastructure wasn't designed for public transportation. The um, amount of waste that went on was is is just as symbolic as other places. I've worked in about fifty countries around the world. When I was in Asia, in Hong Kong, we had an unbelievable transit system. We had, I mean, there's there's good and bad. But I would say that while I was in while I've been in Europe and lived and worked, spent a lot of time in Copenhagen. Uh, I didn't see the same type of unbelievable change that maybe you can articulate that's happening. No, but uh, I, 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 it, it is going slow, like everywhere on the, in, in the world, but uh, we, uh, we do have a green deal uh, in Europe and we have um, the, 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 the will and uh, a lot of regulations in order to go in the future uh, to have a green and digital transition in Europe. And I think we are quite, quite far uh, with, uh, uh, with the future regulations and with the ambitions. And there are at least many, many countries which work together. And I think uh, obviously this cannot only be Europe, it has to be done uh, globally uh, because uh, it, it, uh, all that in order to uh, uh, meet climate change or to mitigate climate change and to, uh, uh, to stay, uh, um, um, abreast with all the developments and for our and, and, and environmental changes, we will need uh, really to work together globally. This is clear. But I do think that uh, there are quite some ambitions uh, in, in in Europe which are which are which are very strong. Yeah. So get, getting back, because we could tackle this a little later when we talk about responsibilities. What else about planet Earth that when you say incredible Earth? Well, what's, what's incredible to you? I think um, it is um, a, a really, really very special planet, as I said already. Uh, when uh, we look at many different of the exoplanets which have been identified, um, uh, they, uh, we, we do not know, know that all these conditions, you know, work together in order to make a habitable environment. So, um, uh, as I said before, we find life 
everywhere on planet Earth. But obviously this was not like this uh, at, the, at the very beginning. So to understand you know, how, how life actually originated on Earth, that is a very, very uh, uh, difficult question. There are a lot of different scientists from all the different fields, being astronomers, geologists, uh, uh, geneticists, and microbiologists, and uh, hundreds uh, of, of other uh, scientists, uh, uh, different types, which are actually working together in order to understand, you know, where or where the first carbon molecules formed, um, uh, what were the conditions on the early Earth, that we actually we have uh, quite a certainty that uh, between 3.5 and 3.8 billion years ago, eventually even a little bit earlier, we have the first primitive organisms, small microbes called prokaryotes, and they had to live without oxygen because at that time there was no oxygen in the atmosphere. And um, it took a long, long way, uh, and uh, we're not going to go through all the steps of evolution because I'm also not an expert in that. But uh, there have been continents uh, um, arising. There have been continents uh, which uh, started to assemble and breaking up again. And there have been glaciation events. There have been mass extinctions, uh, and this is a very, very, uh, I would say, a difficult period, you know, for over, over, over changing of changing conditions and building up, you know, um, uh, and moving from primitive life to more complex species uh, up to humans. And uh, this is quite a fascinating uh, situation because uh, you um, are so much tied with the environment and you cannot imagine that this is actually happening on another planet in the same way. So that gives you obviously the, the question, um, uh, are we unique? And uh, I would not say, uh, put that because as you mentioned before, I wouldn't say that this is arrogant. Yeah? It's not arrogant, it's, uh, it's just, I think it's a little bit of humili humility when you understand how complex that process is and how, through how many difficult situations uh, it has gone. And we all know these mass extinctions and we know the extinctions of the dinosaurs and then we know about the explosion, the Cambrian explosion where uh, you know, so many species actually originated which was only uh, um, uh, 50, million, uh, 50 uh, uh, million years ago. So uh, this 4.5 billion evolution of a planet, uh, I think is something which is extremely interesting and uh, should all make us uh, you know, think about our future. And uh, let us make understand you know, uh, that we should um, cherish the environment where we are. We haven't found another planet which is uh, that extraordinary like uh, our Earth and uh, which has, you know, this protection from radiation. Uh, just, just giving you an example, when you look at Mars, you know, Mars does not have any more magnetic field. Uh, it is completely dry out. There is no liquid water on the surface. Uh, the radiation is hitting the surface, destroying everything uh, on, on the surface and in the near subsurface. So even if 
Mars had very similar conditions to the early Earth, also 4.5 billion years ago, it had a completely different evolution. And we are now trying uh, to have space missions to Mars and trying to reconstruct what were their conditions 4.5 billion years ago or 3.5 uh, billion years ago uh, where life could have originated on Mars, but Mars completely had a different evolution. So did Venus. And um, it is um, quite interesting, you know, to see how, uh, uh, how we need and want to understand, you know, our planet uh, uh, and its uniqueness and that we are actually here on this planet and we actually should really do <laughs> it, have this humility, <laughs> have this humility and, 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 and say, and, and, uh, how do you say, take responsibility? I'm, I'm fascinated in, in not as much the content, but the fascination that you have with the fascination of the development. Meaning my background is organic chemistry, physics, calculus, which you do know, I biology major in, in university as well as a psychology major dual. I spent a lot of time looking biology of vertebrates and I, I even, I, I would, as the type of student, if a teacher asked you to do a project on, for example, the biology of vertebrates, I remember this professor said, go out and look at vertebrates and look at motion. And you have to do two research papers on it. And I ended up and I, I ended up doing one on snakes and then I did another one on birds and then I did another one on deer and I did something else. And I remember the top of the, the teacher wrote the top of the paper uh, something to the effect of when it sounds like bullshit, it reads like bullshit, it is bullshit. And what he was saying is, David, you're trying to get an A in my class. And he didn't realize I was just fascinated. I, I just did what I did because I was fascinated. And, but I didn't have the fascination, even with all of that background. I mean, years of bio, biology, chemistry, physics, calculus classes, looking at the world and where it came. I never had this fascination that you appear to have. So my Kind of my question is, where does that come from? Well, I, I must honestly say that, uh, that all um, the people I work with and the people from our field of astrobiology and also origin of life, uh, they have this kind of fascination to understand how the first cell uh, was created. Uh, I mean, this is, if you're not fascinated at that, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm a scientist at heart, but uh, don't you want to understand where you come from? Or is it just, uh, you know, okay, now I have dinner and I watch TV. So, I, I, well, it's, on, a little, it's a little different than that. I had a, I spoke at Technion, uh, someone in Israel set had uh, me speak at multiple places. And you probably know Technion University. I spoke at their uh, at their facility. And I talked about some of the things in Project Moon Hunt, what we're working on and where we're going with it. And this gentleman came up afterwards. He is in his 60s and early 60s, I think it was at the time. And he said to me during your presentation, and it was a discussion presentation, he said to me, I started to think about the fact that all the work I've been doing, and he does work beyond our solar system, he does it, far reaches the solar system, he says, all the work that I've been working on may never be used. It's just pure research. And he said, I think I have to make a change in my life to work on things for the here and now and the, in the near future that can impact 
our life on this planet. And he said, I've dedicated my life to doing work at this point that I realized may never be used. And so I don't have that same fascination yet. I, and I'm not a history buff. Even though I've done the research, I've done the homework, I've done it. I am a, personally a person who wants to build, create, and solve for tomorrow. So I have a window. Project Moonot is 45 years. It's not a long window in terms of evolutionary time, but Project Moonot is a 45-year plan and what we intend to do to make that happen. And that is fascinating to me, what we can do. Historically, I'm not the guy who sits and reads a lot of history books. I'm not a person who goes back. Uh, I, I, I have some of the data, but that's not my fascination. So that's why I was asking you, where is you have this fascination? And it sounds like it's an intrinsic, it's built into you. It's one of those things that just turns you on because it's who you are as a person. Well, it's not only that who I'm a person, so I think there's a big community out there uh, which wants to understand, you know, how the solar system has been formed because it's more or less our cradle. And uh, it's how is that you, you, you just said you're an organic chemist. So it's about chemical raw material, which is necessary for the development of life. So there was very little, um, there were a few minerals and, and, and even a little organic matter on the early earth. So how do these chemical reactions on the early earth uh, 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 have occurred and created organic molecules in ocean? in volcanic regions. And then you had in these first 700 million years, you know, of, 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 of our Earth, of our 4.5 billion years of Earth, you had terrible things going on. It was, it's called the Hayden, hell in Greek. You had comets and asteroids uh, shooting in, into the, into the early Earth. You had volcanic uh, eruptions, so very strong geological activity. Um, you had, um, a changing atmosphere. Um, so uh, honestly, temperature fluctuations, and it was exactly in that time where you find more or less you you build up the first cells. Isn't that fascinating? Well, I you know I, as you're saying that, I'm going to tell you I, I heard a fascinating story, but it's the timeline is different. Where you're fascinated there, I was given. Uh, we're looking for things that have happened in the beyond earth ecosystem that have, has impacted earth that are not always linear. Meaning we know that uh, water filtration and air filtration or water purification, that has been, that's came out of the beyond earth ecosystem. Uh, the cordless power tools out of the beyond earth ecosystem, Invisalign braces. There's a lot of things that came out of, of offshoots. So, one company that I was referred to was this company, and I don't think I've said it on the podcast, I don't remember, as I referred to this company by the name of Helios. And they are working on creating hydrogen fuel for the moon so that rockets can be able to take off from the moon. And we're having this fascinating conversation. We're talking for about 45 minutes to an hour. And he says, you know, one of the things we had to do is we had to do this experiment. So we went at, we couldn't afford a new kiln a K-I-L-N kiln, we had to go out and we had to buy a used kiln. And we set it up and we started the experiment. We needed to get it to 1200 degrees Celsius. And we expected this reaction to occur. And it didn't occur the way it was, possibly not the exact uh, perfect condition in the kiln. And we found that we found 10 times the amount of iron ore. 
at, in this reaction than we anticipated. I mean, a tremendous amount of iron ore. And they, they were fascinated by it, and then they worked on it. They've been able to get that iron ore development down to somewhere in the neighborhood of about 270 degrees C, so they've dropped the energy usage. And they have now patented the process, and the term I gave them was distributed localized manufacturing of metal, which today is not done that way. It's done in local in centralized places and is shipped all over the world. And it's about six to 7% of all carbon output. Six, so that's pretty high. And this whole experiment was an, a mistake. So I said, to, I asked the guy because I wanted it on audio. I wanted it on video. Right? I said, I need to record this. I said, were you working on solving for the moon? Or were you looking to solve something for Earth? And he says, oh, yeah, for Earth. Wait, wait. I said, no, no. When you did this experiment, were you working on solving for the moon? And he said, no, it was an accident. And I said, that to me is exciting. That experimentation and working on something towards another a directive creates something else, no different than a billion years ago or or 500 million or whatever number you want to use. I get fascinated by that and the future and the development more so than I do going back 500 million years or 4.5 billion years. That's a okay. solution that solves something. We okay. could create iron ore and localize and have it right outside a city. And then we could use the metals right there. No shipping, no transport, uh, cleaner, less energy on and on. Well, you, you, you said you, you want to look for the next uh, 45 years, what is possible, but I think it is uh, quite important to understand that it took 4.5 billion years to have the brain for it to do that. This is something which, which I think you have to keep in mind, and will that ever happen again? You know, or did that ever happen again, or and, uh, somewhere else in the universe? So um, this is where, where the humility uh, uh, somehow comes from, um, because uh, as I said, you know, uh, real intelligent beings are here since two hundred thousand years, and uh, well, it, 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 uh, until we are able to do really uh, fantastic technological advances like we do today, that's only very very recent. So. Uh, um, I think it's a little bit, uh, uh, to, uh, I think it's important to understand where it comes from. And I, I don't disagree. I think we need some of that. The challenge is our focus is a, a little bit different on it. And, and I'm looking at our outline. So we've got the Incredible Earth. And I think we've been talking about origins. Ab absolutely. Is, is there anything else with origins that you think is absolutely fascinating that I might never have heard about? In your history, you'd say, wow, this was something when I understood this, it made a well, difference in the way I perceived the, the, the way we are and well, where I we're think, going. I think this, this origins, you know, we have new results all the time, you know, coming in. And even in the last weeks, you know, there were really fascinating results, like, for instance, that we find all the, the nuclear bases, which are in our genetic material, we find them in meteorites. You know, um, uh, so coming more or less from uh, uh, you, you have uh, genetic results uh, from from three days ago, you know, that uh, the RNA, some of our genetic uh, material and uh, small 
um, chains of amino acids have been working together in order very likely to build uh, the first uh, genetic material and cells. So, you know, we are getting results all the time. And I think uh, this is important and we have to, we have to um, understand, you know, where we come from, we have to understand our solar system. We also have to understand how our universe was formed, but that would take another show and then you should take a cosmologist, yeah? So let's let's be done with origins. Okay, so and let's go on to human, uh, human a step, a step in, step evolution. in evolution. And we have started that already. Yeah. So, um, uh, and obviously we have changed this planet in a rapid time scale, yeah? And um, we have to understand what we are doing to this planet. And uh, as I said, um, when we are looking at the clock of the evolution and of, 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 of the earth, we are a second, you know? Um, uh, of our, our lifetime is a second on this clock. So how long are we, are we gonna make it? And uh, will the people ever know uh, that uh, humans were there before, or uh, will we be extinct? Or what will come after us? I think this is something, um, uh, this is a question I think uh, a lot of people are uh, discussing, researching, and it is not something uh, what we should take lightly. What's, what's your and, take? What is your honest take on the belief? Because there's, a, think, there's um, the doomsday event, there's the one thing that has to happen and the world disappears the way we know it. What's yours? Yeah, well, I mean, I must honestly say I'm, I'm, I, I really love to uh, read uh, those reports, though they are very often long, but they are luckily executive summaries of the IPCC of uh, all the, uh, where hundreds of scientists work together to understand, you know, what global warming will do to us. And I'm, I'm reading a lot of those, uh, those documents and they have a small headline in the news and then they are gone. And I am really wondering how will it be possible if we do not make people really aware of it? Uh, of it. Um, and I think it's not only done with Greta Thunberg, it is really something where we have uh, to educate you know, um, our, our population because everybody can see this kind of changes on, uh, on our planet. Everybody can see what is actually happening uh, and um, that we are really exposed uh, to uh, extreme you know, weather conditions, drought, heat waves, fires. I mean, everybody sees that in the TV, uh, floods, landslides. Um, I was actually just in Ecuador and <laughs> You know, uh, and I had just to stop for a few hours because of the landslide. Yeah, uh, so um, uh, all this this incredible loss of uh, biodiversity, a rising of sea levels, ocean acidification. Uh, I I do believe that. Um, we humanity has to understand much more about it and it's about science i'm sorry to say and we have to create awareness um uh, in order uh, you know to uh, to have a global to have global solutions so uh, have you ever, have you ever there's a, a paper and i'm i know the person i don't know its full title but there were 17 researchers got together one of them was daniel bloomstein they did something where they looked at a 150 
conditions. They put it into the climate change category with 150 conditions. And they wrote a paper that was something to the effect of it's far worse than scientists can even grasp. And when you, what they did is they looked at them collectively instead of separately. So when you see this step in human evolution, by understanding it, where does that take us? Um, it is depressing, <laughs> but uh, you know, being a scientist, and you also uh, have this kind of, of motivation. Here is your motivation going forward, uh, finding solutions. Uh, I have the same. So um, I um, obviously, I mean, we are not gonna stand on the cliff and just jump down because we cannot do anything anymore. We will always try to do something. And we always try to go further and we always try to find new technology uh, technolo- uh, technologies which bring us further i think this is the mind of a scientist or of intellectual uh, uh, uh people but we have to create this awareness in 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 people because um having this uh, really um uh, i would say very very uh difficult situations of of climate change impacting in particular always also the uh, the poorest regions uh, um, uh, on the earth, uh, we, we, we have to work together in order to, uh, to really solve it and to, to make the people aware of it. So I, I, I do believe that uh, uh, informing education and awareness uh, uh, and uh, bringing society into the game and uh, trying to um, work with society is the only chance that we um, can actually, uh, you know, um, how do you say, um, reverse this uh, very dramatic uh, future. Before we, jump, the- before we jump into that, can you, I, you, you gave the title Human, a Step in Evolution. Mm-hmm. So what do you, let, let's take a jump and let's call it 45 years. Let's call it 100 years. What's the next evolution of humans in your mind? Well, um, we're going to grow we a third are- arm or, yeah. Know. Uh, we are no, no. I, I this doesn't go so so, uh, so in forty five years in hundred years. Yeah, the, probably, yeah, we don't have to have a little bit more. Uh, what, I, I, what's I, our I, next I, step in evolution? From, from from looking at the time scales of evolution, there will not be so much, except that uh, you know it might be already uh, pretty difficult uh, to to live on Earth, and it might be similar to some of the very depressing movies about the future on Earth. It might be very similar like that. Uh, I think we uh, the younger generation will have. Uh, 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 worse eyes, you know, looking at the little screen uh, for <laughs> uh, for uh, 10, 12 hours a day, but uh, we will not have this, uh, this uh, uh, we will have a destruction of our environment, but I don't think that uh, humans will evolve so, uh, so much, but we will get sick due to the conditions and to the environmental conditions and more, we might have more pandemics, we might have uh, uh, much, much uh, stronger uh, uh, diseases cons- uh, concerning lung and, 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 and stomach. And uh, we um, uh, might not drive that well. Uh, and um, uh, so uh, it is something where we have uh, really in the, in, the, in the very, very near, f- near future, uh, to find uh, some measures where we can um, help the population. So what is also going to happen is that what we know until 2050, uh, 2060, we will have most of the people living in cities. You know? uh, um, uh, we have, 
I think we will have 75% or something like that, which uh, will be living in urban environments. And uh, in particular urban environments, uh, they might be helpful for social interactions and uh, a lot of help, but uh, it might also create many, many other problems and uh, endless cities. And uh, uh, so uh, it is a co-evolution of, uh, you know, teaching people of uh, trying to improve situation with new uh, technologies um, and at the same time um, uh, trying to mitigate with really leaps in technology the strong impacts uh, which we know are going to happen. The, the number is that the, it's estimated, I believe it's seven in 10 people on planet Earth who live in a city. Let's, let's make a little complexity to that. If we have a 15 cm sea uh, level rise by the year 2050, which is estimated approximately six inches, 40% of the global population lives within coastal regions. Oh, and we, can yeah. we can take Shanghai, New York City, yeah. we can take London, we can go down, there's a lot of cities near the water. And a 15 cm sea level rise can create typhoons and hurricanes due to warmer water, uh, air circulation patterns. Uh, we could have tidal surges that could be anywhere from three meters to seven to 10 meters higher, which would cause flooding across these regions and the cities would be challenged. So when we talk about the, you did mention let's say pandemics, so people leaving cities because of pandemics, do you see that type of transition for the human species to, do you actually see them going to cities or do you see things like the sea level water rise causing these displacement conditions or we take conflict such as Ukraine and the total annihilation of a city where we have, what is it, four to 10 million people who have left a, a country and moved to another country what do you see happening well, in that evolution? I, I mean, I'm living in a coastal region, so uh, I think this will be very dramatic. It has already started. Yeah? And uh, obviously, uh, that will also drive uh, 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 people much, much more in, 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 the, in the cities away from the coastal region. But it will also mean that a lot of people are out of job. And, um, and uh, so, it is a very, very difficult uh, evolution. And uh, I think we are already at the topic that um, in, in not, not, not to get too de depressing in, in, in saying, well, there's hardly anything what we do. I always do believe in science. No, no, we're, we're, go we're going to solve this. I don't have a challenge with it. That's, that yeah. We will. So uh, that's why we have a 45-year plan. We, don't, we wouldn't have a plan if we didn't think we'd solve it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think it is really, uh, uh, really, really important to, uh, uh, I mean, we, we, we have started, of, co of course, there are a lot of measures uh, for the future, but everything is going very, very, very slow. And when I am, um, what is always quite shocking for me as a scientist, uh, you, see, you read the news and then you see a small things about the recent ICC report, you see a small um, uh, report uh, the, uh, of the United Nations uh, warning, you know, about the thing. And then you have 10 other things and then you have uh, soccer. Uh, I, I do believe soccer is important uh, uh, as well, but it is not on the level it should be. The information of um, uh, more or less how we survive in the future uh, must be 
something which is central to our communication. It, and it won't be. We know that. I, I have talked to people around the world and shared some of the things we're working on. Uh, I've been to meetings where everybody is so excited about the 17 SDGs. I've been to, and I, I ask them simple, basic questions. Oh, no, 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 I, 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 you know, there's enough bad things going on in the world. I don't want to hear about that. There's the propensity and belief structure for, for certain parts of society is that other people should be paying attention to this, but they won't be. They won't. I mean, Pascal, they won't. It's not, it's, it's, yeah, but the fact that they should, look, I I should eat better. I should eat better. I know I should, but I don't. I should exercise more, but I don't. I mean, we, we all have these things. But the effects on humans and the impact will get stronger every year. Yeah, because as we said, uh, the uh, the gas emissions, greenhouse gas emissions are stronger. The seawalls are, are gonna rise. Uh, we have uh, dwindling ice <laughs> and forest cover, um, and we have um, really uh, very strong changes, uh, um, as we already said. And it it has an effect, you know, on uh, f- uh, fuel security, on energy security, on we have we will have uh, uh, many many more disasters and at one uh, at one stage uh, people will wake up and i think partly they did already so it's not so uh, that we can ignore it much longer because it is getting stronger every every year we see that already now yeah I, so uh, and we can then we can then t- toss in and i'm not picking on people who believe who work this system but we can top toss in blockchain and the unbelievable use of energy, while at the same time, people are flying around the world for conferences for blockchain. And again, I'm not picking on them, just using it as one construct. They're flying around the world to say that they're saving the world from tyranny or from uh, economic challenges. And yet at this, they're, they're putting more CO2. They're adding to the heat conditions in the world. I, I love to believe that people are waking up. I just don't see it. Well, I have to say that uh, when you are looking at the at uh, aviation, um, uh, honestly, the the contribution uh, is by far, by far, by far, as we know, uh, percentage smaller than 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 regular traffic. Yeah. Yes, I, so, I'm just uh, using that as an example. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I I don't like this example because I think uh, um, uh, the aviation I- I- industry is is really not. Uh, uh, <laughs> It has advanced a lot and and uh, allows us to uh, to to be globally connected, and uh, it is the car more or less. It is the industries you know which have the the large, largest, in particular also the energy industry which have the lar- largest emissions. So uh, we have we have to be a, a relative uh, to that, um, but uh, I think we need technological leaps and uh when you uh, when you look at technological leaps you also need uh people which are really really smart you need people which are educated in a different way uh, yeah, uh of, of thinking interdisciplinary thinking out of the box going in, in, in into the future um you need um uh, people which um understand uh you know the global uh, um, involvement and you meet t- people which can actually um, solve technological 
challenges. And we have a terrible problem all over the world of um, uh, a lack in the STEM workforce. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. hardly any people uh, which want to uh, really uh, study engineering and natural science in particular. It's getting better in, in human medicine, in, in IT, um, uh, even in mathematics, it's getting better, but uh, natural science and engineering is still something. And that affects practically every sector, you know, in, 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 in this region. It's, it's, I come from the space sector, it's very dramatic there as well, but uh, it affects many sectors. And how can we actually do these technological leaps uh, when we uh, don't have people educated? And then additionally to that, you need people which are really, um, how do you say, totally open-minded and can uh, cross boundaries and uh, understand uh, you need people which are sitting on one table coming from many different backgrounds in order to solve a problem. In particular, the, the challenges which you are addressing and which you want to address in the next 45 years uh, with your project, uh, you need, um, how to say, an, a, a very different crowd and very differently educated crowd in order to solve these technological issues. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. And so I'll bring it up now because we did, uh, we touched on it before we started the program. We have this, we have six mega challenges in the world. Yes. And the six are climate change, mass extinction, ecosystems collapse, uh, displacement, political, social, economic, religious, you can add the list. Then there's unrest. And the last one is explosive impact. And very quickly, Every a lot of categorically uh, items are stuck into climate change, and that's not. It's not always there. It's a connectivity of all of them. So if uh, climate change could be anything from sea level water rise to temperatures, we've seen in India this past week. We had on the surface between fifty to sixty degrees C. We're now seeing it in Pakistan. But it goes around the world. So it's the Middle East will go to 50 to 60 degrees C regularly. So will Northern Africa. So will Mexico. So again, around all the way to Indonesia, Cambodia, Malaysia, through to Bangladesh. If we were to take the second one, which is mass extinction, uh, we're seeing that also. We're seeing a huge percentage of reptiles disappearing, a huge percent of the large mammals around the world are disappearing. And there's so much data on that. Uh, ecosystem collapses. Right now, Australia has 19 ecosystems on the verge of collapsing. We can then go to displacement, which is part of climate change. I mean, all these people have to go someplace. Animals move someplace. They fight. You can't just think about humans, but the entire ecosystem is all connected. And last year, in terms of uh, political or challenges, conflict, Last year was the number one highest in human history. There's been about 17,000, 18,000 recorded conflicts. Last year, there was 56 on this planet, more than any other year in recorded history. There's about six to eight wars that go on regularly, but this was 56 as a conflict. And ecosystem, and then explosive impact are things such as overfishing and or deforestation, which have huge consequences across the entire six. And the thing about the six mega challenges which is different than the 17 SDGs. We don't start off with what we consider solutions. We start off with what we consider to be the challenges. And we also created a construct, we believe, compared to the 17 SDGs. I'm saying it because you and I started a little bit. The 17 SDGs construct is very challenging because growing up, my you, there was a show in the United States, one of these things is not like the other. 
Well, the first two are no poverty and no hunger. Never going to happen in any world at any time. One of them is climate change. Well, climate change is not the same thing as no poverty and no hunger. And if you drop right next to it is life below water and life in air, but those are don't even match the others. And then you could take things such as uh, uh, what is it, clean water and sanitation, but those are two different. They're not the same. You don't solve them the same way. And then there's one on there about strong institutions. And what is a strong institution? I would argue that there are many strong institutions, the Chinese government, the Russian government, uh, the American government, the way they're running things, there are strong institutions all over the world. So there's actually 26 challenges on the 17 SDGs, and within them, they're not clearly defined. So very quickly so that they're in there. So yes, we are trying to, our belief structure is that if we do the things that we're doing today, we will not be the only solution to them, but we will address the six mega challenges. No, I think I think uh, these uh, challenges are really uh, uh, important, and we see how how things actually uh, uh, evolve, how fast they evolve. We are now in my line. What is our future <laughs> already? Uh, I don't know. It's four or five or something like yes, that. Yes, it's uh, what could so, be our future is number four. Yeah, and um, I I just come from 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 Ecuador. Uh, and I have been in the cloud forest, you know, and uh, you know, this is one of the countries where the biodiversity is still the strongest and yes. amazing. And uh, what I have seen there, you know, as was my first time in Ecuador, was really, really amazing from the butterflies to the, to the birds and uh, in this very, very special environment. Uh, so um, uh, that, uh, you know, this is all collapsing and, um, this is a very, very important topic. There are many scientific studies, how we can hoard that. Uh, it is so sad uh, because this, this planet is so special and has de developed so many uh, amazing things and uh, to lose all that, but- uh, What are you doing uh, anyway? what, what, what was your intention? What were you doing research there? No, I have, we had uh, we had a conference uh, for strengthening the space ecosystem, so uh, um, for for the space sector in emerging countries, uh, we have a lot of um, you know uh, countries which are well advanced in, in in the space sector, and in particular also in in South America, there are several countries which would like to take. Uh, uh, I would say um, advantage of uh, space data uh, uh, for the benefit of society, and of course also taking um, into account uh, climate change and and disaster management and many other uh, things which we have discussed. And uh, we are actually helping, you know, the International Astronautical Federation is actually helping those countries, you know, to build up a space ecosystem with their industry, their governments and uh, academia and so on. And so um, uh, besides that, we had a, a, a short excursion into the cloud forest. As you know, there's a cloud forest and yep. there's the Amazonas. I didn't make it in the Amazonas rainforest because it's a little bit far away. Uh, but uh, it was wonderful to to uh, to see such a new um, a country, you know, being on 3000 meters high and um, uh, seeing a little bit a new world, you know, if you have never been to Ecuador, and and um, it it makes you also think. I mean, just just discussing these kind of topics, you know, you are actually how we actually developed. It's a Quito, for instance, is a city of two point seven, I think, million people, on nearly three thousand meters high. 
you know, and um, a huge city of 40, uh, uh, you know, kilometers in, 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 in diameters, and you, you can drive through for hours. <laughs> and uh, so how, how do we actually build and, 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 and how do we construct and, and uh, how do we uh, build, you know, ecosystems and uh, economic sectors in, in uh, all over the world. And um, uh, so uh, when I look at your, your, your mega challenges, I think they are a, a extremely important. They are the, 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 every activity, you know, in this direction, be it from the United Nations, be it from uh, many uh, organizations is crucial. But uh, what will bring us really further, and this you have already explained, is to have really uh, technology leaps. Uh, yes. and, and 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 this is what we have to uh, we have to work with because we cannot give up uh, when we, when we continue this discussion and discuss about the displacements the the loss of biodiversity the terrible conflicts all over uh, it is uh, something like uh, you have to stay strong as a human being in particular when you are science and technology background and say well we have to do the best and um that's not the well, way you play it you can't just do the best you have to do it yeah just you have period. to do it yeah you just yeah. have to do it. you can't do your best because i mean uh, best is i tried i i tried to score the goal uh i didn't yeah. do it i did my best i'm gonna go home now and no no you have to you have to score so yeah in in you have to be you have to think out of the box so what is i think what i see is still uh, uh, uh very uh problematic is that uh people are still working in um boundaries and silos, you know? Okay, these are the experts for, for climate change. Uh, these are the experts, you know, how to build a city of urbanization. Yeah, the experts uh, which are looking for, uh, for, uh, for transport solutions. And if you don't see, put these people on one table and let them break their, their brain and their, um, then uh, I think we will not go anywhere. We have to learn, you know, uh, to go over boundaries, to do interdisciplinary research together and to, how do you say, exploit, you know, the expertise from different sectors, from, 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 uh, from, from uh, different economies. And I think this, this is a big problem still now. We are still- It's huge. silos. We are working in silos, you know? It's such a huge challenge because, and not because, I, I'm gonna, it's a huge challenge because the people, the individuals at the table are often more concerned about what they're working on than the group is working on. And it's a challenge because we've siloed our educational systems the cross-disciplinary person is not the one who gets the, the bonuses, the raises, the growth. And so, yes, we have yeah, to. But so, that so. is the key for the future. And I mean, uh, uh, working in the International Space University, uh, uh, we had uh, three really famous founders uh, 35 years ago, which were very young, but they really created this interdisciplinary environment. So we have team projects. Uh, you know, during the during the classes, where people from completely different background, be it medicine, be being journalism, being it engineering, and so on, sit on one table and solve a problem, like for instance, space and oceans, uh, or, and um, 
and they have, and of course that doesn't, that doesn't go easy. At the beginning, everybody has many, many different uh, um, ideas and they, they need to preparation for the, for, for, for the future because everything what we are doing is connected. Uh, the climate change and the biodiversity and uh, that we will have displacement uh, of, of animals and humans and uh, um, that there will be conflicts. Uh, all that is very strongly connected. If we don't learn, you know, uh, how to solve problems uh, uh, interdisciplinary, we will never succeed. It's very difficult because we've run, we've run down that road of solving individual focused challenges, and the pullback for individuals to have multidisciplinary skill sets is is a very. It's just not an easy. Uh, there are timelines, and I, I, I will often say to people, okay, let's take where we are today, add 40 years onto your life, so add a number on, and if you have children or nephews and aunts, friends, add 40 years onto their life. Now, if you add 40 years on, might they have children? Probably, for many people. I said, and those have 40 years on now, so what year, how many generations could you have in the next 40 years? Some people say three or four, depending on their age. And then I ask them a simple question. What do you see happening in the next 40 years? Can't answer that question. 40 years, you mean? 40 years, just 40 years. Using the six mega challenges, you can use your, the 17 SDGs if you'd like. I know you're affiliated with the United Nations. Uh, whatever one you want, just take 40 years because that's a window. It's, an, it's a reasonable window. What well, is it happening in forty years on this planet? Well, the problem is I don't want to I don't want to say what I see happening because, as I said, I'm quite pessimistic about um, uh, this possibility of of uh, going very slow, ignoring a lot of things, and waiting until everything breaks down. And this is not my nature. So I do believe uh, there must be and will be. Uh, some uh, particular companies, entrepreneurs, uh, organizations which come together and uh, do something really special. Yeah. And um, like you talked about the mega, mega challenges, I think this is the way how we can make a technological leap. If we are just uh, trusting that the system will take care of it, I think it is. Uh, the system will be reactive to what is actually happening us to disasters, uh, to, um, uh, to to war, to um, um, uh, how do you say displacement? As you as you said, they they will just be reactive. But we cannot be reactive. We have to be proactive, and we have to. That's like, that's there's there's a, an analogy that I don't remember who taught it to me, but I remember hearing. The person said, if you ever see a firefighter run, then something's really gone wrong. Because <laughs> firefighters practice over and over and over and over again, so that when they show up, they don't have to run. They know exactly what they have to do and the timing they do it. And they say, if you watch firefighters, they know that condition. They know how it happens. They know how to move. And if you see a bunch of firefighters running, something went wrong. The challenge is you have to be practicing when there is no fire. 
And most individuals wait till there's a fire. And right now, I think the way you're saying it and being pessimistic in to some degree is that people are waiting for fires. And when they're fires, they're reacting. Yet they're also not aware of the conditions that actually exist. If you're not a globalist, if you're not paying attention to what's happening in the six mega challenges, and I often will say, there will be no gender equality if the six mega challenges collapse. There will be no clean water and sanitation. There will be none of many of the things that you want on that 17 SDGs don't matter if in fact you have 60 degrees Celsius around the globe of the equator as a regular occurrence, because those people will have to move and the waters will be warmer and the fish will spawn differently and countries will, uh, the, the large animals will be killed because of food or whatever necessary means. So this whole thing about technological leap has to be done in the background in, in your knowledge base around the world, because I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I believe in infinite possibilities and infinite, uh, uh, the, the age of infinite. Do you I see any- do, I, 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 I'm totally on your side. I, I, I think this is the only way. Um, however, I do still think, and uh, I'm, I think positive in the way that, you know, involving uh, uh, society and uh, trying uh, to, uh, improve education and awareness uh, is also crucial. We will not- yeah, I 100% agree. We will, not, uh, we will not get that far all over the planet, but it is a necessary thing because it can just support, you know, uh, these background leaps, let's say it like that. Oh, I 100% I, I, I agree. I am so much behind that. The challenge is go to countries, and I think it's 25 countries in the world, don't quote me, are democratic. Uh, about 42 fall into that categorization. But the most the majority of the world has educational systems that an education is designed to support governance. And the things that you're asking for are often contrary to what we're talking about. Certainly, yeah. Uh, I, I still do believe, you know, I'm, I'm uh, educated in a democratic system that, you know, this, uh, this is this this will be crucial at least there where it's possible. And um, so um, uh, we we are we are actually on the way of uh, designing <laughs> uh, a, a system that uh, we um, we have to stay positive. Uh, and uh, we have to be proactive and we have to uh, support people, organizations, find communities, entrepreneurs, which work together to uh, succeed in, in some technological leaps. It's not so that uh, governments are doing nothing. They are continuously uh, a, a politically, uh, I think, breakthroughs concerning climate change, but we all know it is going very slow. And it might be too late. So you're so nice. It yeah. might be too slow. It might be too yeah. late. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I had a lot of political positions. Yeah? Yes, I know you are. I know uh, you're I, taking a political position. I know. I know. I know that uh, it is difficult, you know, to find consensus. I have been in a lot of leadership uh, positions. So I do think that a lot of uh, governments, in particular also in, in Europe, are really trying uh, to go in the right direction. And um, it's just, it is, it, it is a very difficult thing. And you should not marginalize those. Uh, uh, the impact of that, one should not marginalize the, the, uh, uh, the um, 
the will, you know, to go into this direction. So I think that that, that doesn't help either. But oh, I, I, I wouldn't marginalize it. I, that's not the approach that I see. There, the, if you take a laser beam and point it at the moon and you move it a centimeter to the left and a centimeter to the right, you'll miss the moon. The challenge with finding solutions to any challenge is that if the wrong questions are being asked or the wrong solutions developed, you end up not hitting the targets that are necessary. So it's not a matter of marginalization. I, there's a, pod, there's a, a presentation that I'd given in Luxembourg about digitalization. That's on YouTube, uh, digitalization of Luxembourg with me. And I talk about how Luxembourg's direction, as much as it's admirable, they were advised to work on like 150 different areas. But when you went through it, Luxembourg doesn't have the capital, doesn't have the time, doesn't have the, uh, the personnel to be able to solve it. No one had gone through and said, you really should focus on these areas and you will get there. And the, the challenge that it's not a marginalization of what Europe is doing, because I'm not picking on Europe, I, I'm a globalist. So it's not the marginalization of what the world is doing is that if you take a macroscopic view of the world, and I'm asking you to some degree, I don't see to meet the timelines that you're inferring but not saying because you're being political, to meet the destination of technological advances that you're not saying that we need faster than they are right now and the climate change and the things that we've discussed, I don't see, and maybe you have them, real initiatives that you could point to and say, that's it, follow that one. Well, it is a combination of many initiatives and uh, obviously- oh, Name them, name, name, name two, three, four. I mean, four. Uh, you know, the, 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 the green and digital transition in Europe uh, uh, is, is, is certainly something which spans over many countries and the countries are trying to do the best. And I think it is a, a, a really important way to go because what you, what you need, um, is also to bring all the people together on one table and trying to work on the same subject. Even if you have a technological leap, if you have nobody who wants to follow it, that is also not something which helps. Yeah. So governance is always an, an important aspect in, 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 in this entire uh, uh, system, how to save the world. We are now saving the world, no, don't we? So, um, even and, get to the solar uh, system, we're still in saving the uh, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world and <laughs> yeah, the solar system probably will live. Uh, will live quite still some some more five billion years. Um, uh, uh, but uh, the Earth, that's that uh, that that's a question. And um, so um, I think that uh, that uh, you know you 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 have to 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 combine all the efforts. Uh, and uh, look at the education there where you can in democratic countries and where we are able, you know, to um, foster, you know, technology, you have to try also to find alliances and really uh, 
try to, to get a consensus of also establishing new technologies, because that's also a problem. As, as we have, we know how to do uh, autonomous driving uh, since a long time, and it, it would all work, but the, the laws are just so slow uh, in order to make all the laws uh, and, and, and to make it actually really happen. So, you know, things are all tied together and um, I think uh, it is a combination of uh, having great uh, 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 technological leaps, uh, working interdisciplinary, going in a, uh, in a direction to find consensus uh, with, with, with different governments and um, uh, well, so, and so you you, you name the you name the green and digital trans uh, um, transition transition. Transformation. Give me another. Give me another one that you feel is right on that path. Well, honestly, I mean everything. What uh, uh, I I must honestly say that uh, I come from the space sector, and um, um, we we have um, an in incredible important tool for solving many of those uh, issues which we have been discussed now. And these are as observations. And of course, also satellite technology. And uh, this is uh, it's really crucial because we can have a global look when we are going out into space and when we look with satellites back to Earth, we can go and, and, and see, we can look at with radar satellites uh, uh, at illegal De deforestation happening at night, you know? Uh, we can really uh, look in, into the regions of uh, and, and, and help with disaster management. We can do predictions, you know, about uh, food security. There are so many space data which will be which are crucial and uh, will be crucial. And it's a it's a it's a sector which has been really booming since well, it's, uh, it's absolutely been booming and the and the data is great. Yeah. We do. We and do have the. We do have the six mega challenges, and one of them is unrest. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that I was ignorant as the next person. I didn't realize how much food security relied on Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I yeah, didn't realize I that. Many people. Uh, many people. Why we in Europe? We 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 know that, but I think many people did not know. But <clears throat> made you look at at at, at uh, for instance satellite data many of those uh, things which we have been discussed being biodiversity, uh, even looking at, you know, of course, of, of, of unrest and troops displacing, uh, we can we can have a look from outside of the, uh, 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 you know, onto the onto our world and uh, get a lot of information how we can improve and we are probably um, uh, not not yet in 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 my point what five six humans venturing into the solar system or in space, but we are on a step towards that. Uh, this um, the space economy is I think contributing about 0.6 percent of the global GDP now, but it has incredibly uh, advanced in the in the, in, in the last uh, 10 and 15 years. Um, um, and it has been really commercial. I, I, would, I would actually, it's an easier way for people to digest it, Pasquale. To, uh, this is what I say to people. Take your life and try to imagine that space technology and it's beyond Earth technologies are how much of your day every day is reliant on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and th sure. this, this call, 
you yeah. you looked at weather on your phone. You made yes. a call to somebody. You <laughs> you have air filtration, water filtration. You've got the the driving your GPS systems. You've got farming runs by the uh, GPS being able to deliver it. The tires that we have have uh, the, the bumps in a road when you go because you go off your road. That was developed by Beyond Earth Ecosystems. There's there are thousands of innovations we don't realize every day. Uh, scratch resistant lenses, freeze dried food. Uh, when you use a power tool, the first power tools were used for Beyond Earth that are cordless. And now, if you think of any any tool that is cordless, that came from Beyond Earth, and the and the list is endless. So. It's, yeah. I think it's difficult for humans to get their mind around what is happening outside. But if you looked at your everyday life, yeah. it is all day yeah. what we do. Is, we are completely dependent in our daily life on, on satellite technology. And the problem is that people don't know it. They type on their iPhone and have no idea that there is actually a satellite involved. And uh, now when we look at the economic sectors, more and more, you know, of the space sector and the non-space industries are connected. Uh, I, I, I even think part of that is, I, I, I yeah. think part of that's even the nomenclature, the naming of it. It's not the space industry. And I said this, uh, we did this on with uh, Jan Werner the last time I said, mm-hmm. one day years ago, I said to somebody, space is not an industry, it's a geography. Mm-hmm. It's not an industry. There is no water industry. There is no land industry. There is no air industry. It's a geography. So if someone was to say to you, <clears throat> I do life support, you could say to them, what type of life support? And they say, I do underwater life support. I do in cold temperature life support. I do in low earth orbit life support. I could do in moon life support, which is different than life support that would work for Mars. I think part of it is the fact that we've structured our language, this language about the space industry, and it's not inclusive. So you can be a company on Earth and you could work in low Earth orbit and and that could be an offering. You're not in the space industry. You're in the low Earth orbit ecosystem. And I think part of it is just the, the, the language that we use for beyond earth. It just makes it complicated. I'm not in the space industry, so I'm therefore not in your ecosystem. And when I entered this ecosystem of space, it's very difficult to get into. People are not bringing you in with open arms. You don't know that? You don't know that? I actually disagree because what we are calling, um, you know, many of our conferences and and venues uh, in, in the recent years is always space for all. Yeah, and um, uh, we if we are dependent, we are uh, downloading terabyte, pentabyte of data, you know, from from satellites, uh, uh, and uh, this data uh, they need to be um, analyzed, they need uh, to be used, you know, for applications, and we need a lot of people which are not directly, you know, from the space sector or astronomers. Yeah, absolutely not. They're, they're from they, they're they're data scientists. They, they are the yeah, computer analysts. Yes, some companies which are finding an application with those kind of data. So and they might come from a completely different 
place, as we said before, they might come from agriculture, they might come from uh, insurance or, 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 or completely different sectors, transportation and so on, um, medical. Uh, uh, and we need, uh, you know, to actually find all those people to be part uh, and working on, on those data. And, um, and, and, and uh, I would say harnessing, you know, the benefits for society from those kind of data. And that's why uh, I think the space sector, as it has developed, has to be extremely inclusive. Well, and I'm saying that I'm lot. saying by by partitioning it off into the space sector, we actually don't do it any service. I believe what everything you said is absolutely 100% correct. What I'm saying is when you say, are you in the space sector? People say, no, I'm not in the space sector. And I'm say to the, I say to them, what do you do for a living? I'm a farmer. Okay, so do you use... Do you have drivers who sit using GPS on huge farms and all they do is they're, they sit and they watch television or videos while the, while the, while the Why class nine harvester farming. is, and, and, and it, there's no driver, uh, a class nine harvester, it's all being run by satellite. The person goes for, for five kilometers, eight kilometers, doesn't even touch anything, is there to make sure it doesn't go off. The, the, the food harvesting, same thing. And they say, well, I'm not in this base industry, I'm a farmer. No, you are. You're leveraging the ecosystem of beyond earth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my I point. Think, I think it's, I think it's nomenc, I think it's the way in which it's presented. It's our everyday. I think it is evolving. I think it is evolving and uh, it just also needs more information and more awareness. And um, 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 I think it, 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 it will grow on everybody that we are um, uh, understanding that we are uh, also, you know, with all these mega constellations and having, uh, you know, internet in remote locations, I think people will will take up to it and all the solutions which will be provided for transport and 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 for the internet of things. I think I think people will, um, how do you say, um, um, start, you know, to 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 be a part of the space sector and understand that uh, you know uh, there, there there's a importance. It's a development, but they will they will uh, leverage the technology that comes out yeah. of beyond Earth. But I mean, there's one analogy which 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 I just feel. Uh, because you said we need these technology leaps and we need them fast. And you looked at, you talked about your six mega challenges, but when you look at the space sector and I don't wanna go into real detail because I think you had other people on the, on the show which are uh, even uh, more knowledgeable um, uh, uh, compared to me, but this incredible development, fast development and entrepreneurial environment of the space sector changing you know um, oh, huge. the space sector enormously into the commercial direction um whereas you know space agencies have been on on on, on the helmet of, of of any kind of uh, space venture for the uh, for for decades and having this rapid change having i think in the last 10 years uh, nearly 1700 uh and you know, startups uh, in, uh, funded by investment. You know, um, uh, maybe not all of them will survive, but this uh, really, really. I'm going to guarantee you, and I'll make a bet on it. I don't bet. I do not. Put, I I never gamble. No, I'll but, bet you they but, all won't survive. Yes. Enormous. I mean, 
we uh, who would have invested in space before yeah so now we have really a lot of venture capital uh, uh, companies which are actually really starting to get dedicated you know uh, to the space sector and, and and harnessing you know the the benefits for all kind of other sectors so i think the the this this was an ultra rapid yeah, the, and and I'm just picking up the space technology a analyst space tech 2021 says there are 10,000 private space tech companies and 5,000 leading investors. I mean, we, we are still behind a little bit in Europe uh, where it's mostly in, uh, concerning entrepreneurship. It's mostly the US and China. We have to say what what uh, what concerns startups, but I think it is booming all over the world and um, it's going so fast that we, with the governance aspects and the sustainability aspects, you are the aspects we have already a problem. So this is also something I think uh, which is important concerning the mega challenges. If you're going super fast, you know, you you um, governance, sustainability, uh, security. Uh, these are these are important factors which have to be. How do you say factored in? If it goes too fast, then you know how many how many uh, companies we have now which want to go on the moon, which don't know much about the moon except like trying to find a market. And you have to understand the moon before you go there. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Let me explain how complicated it is. We have a tech transfer business we we're putting together. We've got uh, IP attorneys from all over. We have a Kirkland and Ellis is the seventh largest law firm in the world, they have donated their services and time to us. And we have to spend hours on the phone going over, at least if, to understand the US ITAR, the government regulations for the transfer of technology, or uh, EAR is another one, CIFIS is another one. And we have to understand all of this because you can go to jail, at least doing something in the United States, but there's a global compliance program for anything beyond Earth. All countries have these type of laws. What can be transferred? Not all countries, I'm saying that improperly. Many countries have, Europe has, you cannot transfer to this person or to this way. You can, cannot be digital. We're finding out that if someone in Germany sends it to someone in the US who is a German citizen, and I happen to be in the middle of it, and I see something that was developed from or can be used for, I could go to jail for being on that. Uh, being a part of the receiving and seeing and sending the documents. It's complicated. Yeah, obviously, um, obviously, this, uh, this, this, this is still a big problem. Um, uh, however, you know, um, uh, I think international cooperation, in particular in the space sector, is, um, I think, an important aspect and uh, has really made big strides, you know, just looking at the International Space Station and at the large scale uh, endeavors, I don't think they would be possible uh, without international cooperation, just because, you know, you, you, uh, you leave the benefits, you exploit the, the, the expertise, uh, which is available worldwide and, 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 and you, you reduce costs and you bring some sustainability to the international pro, uh, programs. Uh, in particular for long-term programs. So I think it's, 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 it's a great thing, but obviously it's, it's, it's not easy. And uh, so, so let's, let's go back to the, what is our future? You, we went in two, we went in three divergent places. One of them was pessimistic. One of them was the beyond earth ecosystem. And the other one was the technology driven. 
what do you see our future being when it comes to life on earth for all species? Yeah, well, uh, for me, it is uh, certainly the technology driven one. I'm a scientist, I'm uh, an experimentalist also. I do believe that uh, we have to find, uh, you know, uh, and advanced technologies, uh, which will help to solve, uh, you know, some of our problems in particular in energy and, 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 and transportation. And I do believe that, um, you know, the space sector with its few, you know, from the outside of the earth can help us in particular in our global uh, problems and in the main uh, problems we have cons concerning uh, climate change and the disasters which we will have to master in the future. Uh, and I say that now uh, without a negative thing, I think we, we, we need to be, how do you say, conscious, you know, that uh, the future will not be easy. Uh, but we should not be too scared to say we are we cannot manage it. So this is a is I, I think it's um, how do you say it's, it's it's quite a balance to make. You know, you have to keep um, how do you say you you have to keep not op optimistic and responsible in order to say it's not too late. And but I think it is uh, it is something which is um, which will be technology driven, uh, as we are know, and that I think this is also your point of view. And yeah, we're, we're we actually in our teams, we have companies, we have a we brought in a radiation company that's done nothing beyond Earth, and they do things such as uh, create the shielding used in airports for your luggage when you put it through the rack. I didn't know, and maybe you knew this, those little flaps, when you stick your luggage through, those little flaps are radiation shielding because there's radiation coming out of that box. So we have a radiation company, we have an energy company, we have different types of companies helping us, and we're bringing them together. They've never looked at Beyond Earth, and bringing them together, we're looking at Beyond Earth in different ways because they've never experienced it. So they have to learn from scratch. What does this mean? How does it impact? What is zero gravity? What is zero atmosphere or low gravity, microgravity? What is, is uh, how much radiation is there on the surface of the moon? Or what does a solar flare produce? And that's what we're doing. We're bringing together non-disjointed groups of people to do that. So yes, I believe that it is the, the technological evolution that we have to address. So and if, 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 if I can just say something, sure. this is in particular, also what we are doing, uh, what is happening in the space sector, uh, and, and also what is happening in my field, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, you cannot solve the, the problem of the origin of life uh, with uh, an astronomer or with a biologist. You need many scientists having a, a rather different background in order to understand. What were the conditions on the early Earth? What kind of organic molecules work together? Uh, how is your, uh, how can first microbes and in what environment can they survive? And so on and so on. And what were the geological history? So you need this, this, this group of people in order and that works actually quite well in science in particular in my field in astrobiology science is an interdisciplinary science, which was actually really uh, fostered by NASA and um, and, 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 and we are used, you know, I'm, I have always been used to work uh, very interdisciplinary. And in general, when you look at the space sector, uh, I think this is also happening again, as we discussed before, uh, you know, uh, looking at the connection between the space sector and other economies. Uh, uh, so 
uh, I think this is a very good model in order to go into the in, in, into, into the future and trying to um, you know to combine sectors and to let uh, uh, let the, the scientific and the uh, engineering community find um, interdisciplinary you know technological uh, technical solutions I think that that is really something which is crucial you, you, you in what you're saying is exactly not exactly it's the version of what we're saying is we're at a point where reductionist approach to living surviving on this planet will not work we cannot we cannot reduce ourselves out of this quickly enough so we have to accelerate the innovations we have to accelerate yeah otherwise we won't make it it's yeah. it's like a door closing and but, if we keep on doing what we're doing and yeah. we keep on having the same geopolitical challenges we still have the 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 bio psychological challenge on a global scale we won't get there so we have to accelerate we have to put our foot on the gas on the technological advancements that we'll need to make it happen and the you have to remove boundaries you have to right. remove boundaries and uh, complicated uh, uh, governance which slows you down and, and, and through that, you need better stories that people can engage with. And the reason that I say space is not a, it's not a, a industry, it's a geography. It's because what happens is the person says, yeah, I never thought about it like that. Oh, Dan, um, Dan from the American Institute of Astronautics and Aeronautics is going to do a podcast. He's coming up, I think two months. And he loved that concept. But what it was is a paradigm shift for him because he said, you're right, that's space is not an industry, it's a geography, and it's more inclusive. So I think part of the challenge that the Beyond Earth ecosystem has is the storyline. You cannot say yada, 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 we will be on Mars, yada, 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 we will save planet Earth. You have to draw a parallel to the connection of what are you doing that will, in fact, do what you're saying as it translates to Earth. And I think that's part of the storyline that's missing. And it's a, it's a challenging one that we've been working on for quite some time. So let's take this next one, because I think yeah. this is a specialty of yours, humans venturing into the solar system. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, as I said before, we, uh, the space industry has uh, um, made really a leap in the last decade. Uh, even also space exploration is extremely dynamic. And... Um, we have now really big space endeavors in the future. We have a space station which will uh, end uh, its lifetime in approximately 2030. Um, it might even have uh, a different timeline when we're looking at the unrest, which as you call it in your, in your mega challenges. And um, so uh, we are looking at, a, how do you say, a new commercial lower orbit. Um, probably having uh, different uh, uh, space stations, smaller space stations than, uh, than the, the current international space stations, which are mostly, you know, um, um, I would say advanced by, by, by uh, commercial actors, probably still with space agencies. And um, we will create a cislunar economy because uh, there is a lot of uh, commercial actors in combination with space agencies which want to go forward to the moon, to build habitats, uh, to uh, make outposts, uh, um, probably use, uh, uh, of course, investigate uh, the lunar surface and explore, do science and discoveries, but also to look for probably market cases and do in situ resource utilization. 
and then go from there on to Mars. So there is um, uh, there are big plans and uh, there are really, um, I would say, um, amazing possibilities. And uh, there are still a really important international component in that. So do you, if you were to give me a timeline for what you just outlined in real terms, and I'm going to throw this out, I won't name names, you've known them. There have been promises by the year 2000. There have been promises by the year 2010. There have been promises by the year 2020. There are promises by the year 2000X. What is yeah. your, what is your, and you know the names, you know these players. I, I don't think you, worry. You know, I'm 30 years in the space sector. Okay. So, space so, so no, the reason I'm saying it is so that I don't have to say it because these are, it's just yeah, what but, it is. So yeah. my question is, what, what is your short, midterm, long-term projection five years, 10 years, whatever you want to use. This is, I'm yeah. not giving you the words that you have to use. What would be your projection of humans venturing into the solar system? So I, I think uh, the first part is uh, that we have a transformation now in low Earth orbit, that we will move, uh, we will not leave low Earth orbit. Nobody wants that. Uh, so even when the uh, International Space Station will come to an end of its lifetime, we will have smaller station, we will have uh, free flyers, we will have... Uh, you know, many What's different... a free flyer, by the way? Uh, sorry, sorry. We will have some kind of uh, uh, planes which will do experiments and come back. Okay. Uh, yeah. so not, not like, uh, like they, yeah, they, they go, uh, Yossi Amin at a space farm at Israel. They are out of, they're also out of Europe. They fly up, they do the experimentation high enough in low Earth orbit, and then it comes down. Yes, and, so and, you will yeah. have uh, yep. rides and like, vessels, you know, going into space are coming back. Uh, just doing experiments, you will have probably permanent space stations, uh, um, smaller ones, very likely, uh, because as you know, the International Space Station is extremely expensive to maintain. Um, and um, it will be much more versatile, this uh, LEO system, because um, the uh, commercial actors, they need a market case. So they will work with society at large, education, um, uh, maybe space tourism, um, obviously also scientific experiments, engineering experiments. So there will be, I, I would say, many stakeholders which will be involved. And that's also so nice on the space sector that we have really all the space sector, uh, uh, the stakeholders working together right now. So then uh, uh, you certainly know about the Artemis program, uh, which uh, should um, uh, start very soon uh, with the first uncrewed flight and uh, Artemis one. And uh, of course, the, the projections of uh, when uh, humans will be on the moon, again, are currently 2025. If that's going to happen, we don't know. Uh, but um, uh, it, 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 uh, I think it will happen in this decade. And uh, those are kind of, uh, I would say, um, commercial space stations, smaller space stations, where many different companies work on, um, they are expected at the beginning of um, the 2030s. Uh, we know that the Chinese uh, space station is just built now and will be ready in a year. Um, and will hold about 10 to 15 years, uh, will, will be in orbit. So it's, it's, it's quite active what's going on. Going to Mars, um, that will take a, a time. And did, here I have to put my scientific hat because astronaut health is a very, very important topic. Uh, we have, apart from weightlessness, we have the radiation aspect, as you mentioned before. 
um, we have isolation, nutrition, uh, uh, psychological stress, emergency situations, or, or um, muscle breakdown, bone loss, cardiovascular problems, uh, a weakened immune system. Um, I do believe that the most important uh, problem is still the radiation risk because uh, we know that we have this kind of uh, uh, radiation dose which astronauts are currently uh, um, exposed to and allowed to, which is a, a, a lifetime dose of one seaford. And uh, after that, you might have an increased cancer risk and we would have to understand uh, material science better and protect uh, people going to Mars. So uh, honestly, I think uh, bringing humans to Mars is a question how fast can we advance science uh, to understand astronaut health uh, and um, also the, you know, how to build habitats, doing 3D printing, uh, building habitats, which in particular protect uh, humans uh, when they are going to Mars and how long can they stay there? Because right now, when you look at the, at the numbers uh, from the recent Mars missions, you get 60% of your radiation dose on a, on a, on a travel to Mars and back. Um, of your uh, of your your uh, allowance of, of 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 your lifetime, and so this means there is not much what you can do on Mars, and so we have to advance material science and and all those things. I think that will take time. I don't want to give a timeline, but it is very great that space entrepreneurs, uh, you know, say, oh yeah, we are making colonies of Mars and so on. But the science is done by the scientists in academia in research organizations. And uh, how fast they advance will determine when we will have humans on Mars. Um, that 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 is my uh, that is my take, and I I wouldn't give a timeline, but it will be longer. Uh, so, so can you take that? Because if you remember, I talked about forty years not long mm -hmm. ago, and I asked about the six mega challenges, and we we looked at what could happen over the next 40 years. I mean, there could be a lot of things happening over the next 40 years. Don't know. I'm not going to make the prediction that on this year, but if we have a 15 CMC level water rise, and I hate to say it, you can't look out your, you, even though you're on the coast, you can't walk outside and see six, 15 CM, six inches. You can't see it. Yeah. So we don't know what the consequences of increased yeah. storms, increased tidal surges, uh, warmer oceans, movement of, of lobsters more north, migration of animals, more unrest because of climate around the world. We take that trajectory and we take what you just outlined, which is in my, in the way I think I kind of did the math here, we're talking into 2030s. Uh, to 2040. Where is that? Where is that? Yada, 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 yeah, to the moon. Where is that, which I love, yada, 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 and then we'll solve for Earth. Where does beyond Earth cause enough of the changes? Because we're talking about improving life on all Earth for all species. Where does this endeavor do enough of the changes? to influence well, and make a, a life on earth better well, for all species. It, it, it will help in the development of technologies. Uh, that's for sure, because everything what we, uh, uh, we are more or less preparing, uh, medicine, 
uh, you name it, there are many, many uh, fields which will be advanced, you know, by, you know, venturing into space. Um, uh, the entire, how do you say, cis lunar economy, but also, you know, which is connected to the lower orbit, uh, will, um, uh, I think, advance, you know, our satellite system, uh, because it will not be any more the, the, the geostationary orbit and the low Earth orbit, there will be a combination of orbits. We will learn, you know, how to advance, uh, you know, in order to have a look uh, at the Earth. Um, so I do think that, uh, and bring uh, humanity away from that planet, this, this is not, uh, uh, not what's gonna happen. But I do believe that the few and the awareness of uh, our planet Earth will be strongly improved uh, with uh, space ventures and a lot of the technologies uh, which will be uh, really useful. And uh, I'm not uh, as an expert, but I do also think that there might be solutions for energy from space as I hear my, my, my expert colleagues uh, discuss. And um, when the space sector develops um, as fast um, as, as, as now, um, I do believe that we will have more solutions, you know, for, uh, for benefits for society on, on Earth uh, uh, with the help of uh, satellite technology, uh, which is connected because, you know, we will connect the low Earth orbit to the cislunar orbit. And obviously we are venturing into space and also with humans, but, uh, I think the important step, you know, for the mega challenges on Earth is looking back on Earth, advancing, the, sorry, advancing okay. technologies, and um, and bringing awareness uh, to society. The, I'm going to toss something in for you to be thinking about. Project Moon Hut and our work, we do we do believe that the lever, the the possibilities of beyond Earth and the the thinking about beyond earth not even doing but the thinking about it will change the way we live on earth yes but we're if you were to really look at data let's say and we'll use this number of ten thousand companies because that's the number today is ten thousand uh 2021 so let's say there's ten thousand i might argue and you probably could venture a guess here that out of the ten thousand only 500 will ever have anything that goes to beyond earth because most ventures don't fail in normal conditions. It's not just beyond earth. It's just the math of, of running a business. The, I, it's, I, the, it's, the, it's the innovations that will come out of those companies that were working on something like I brought, as I brought up Helios earlier, that they will work on something and say, oh my God, I solved for something else. And those are the innovations because when you think about beyond earth, uh, there's there's a there's a shift, and I'm going to get, do this with you very quickly. I I will often say to people, if right now, look outside your home, wherever you are, and you're going to build a 10-story building. You already you think about how it's, how large it's going to be, the color it's going to be, how it's going to be built. In a matter of a second, you made a thousand assumptions. You made the assumption there'll be gravity, there'll be air, there'll be humans, they'd have uh, robots, they'd have tools, there'd be supplies, there'd be rivets, there'll be acetylene, there'll be glass. You made that there'll be a meeting. All of these things were invented over time. But the minute I say to you, do the same thing on the moon, the average person says, I don't even know where to start. And that 
is a good place for an individual to develop new solutions. It's that paradigm shifting. How would we keep cool in plus 100 C temperature? How would we keep warm in minus 150 plus C temperature? And it, how do we, how about oxygen? How, how do we take care of our waste? How is air filtration, water filtration going to work? And I think that that is where in the technological advances you mentioned, I think that's where the, that's where the real acceleration is going to happen. Well, we have to say that uh, we are doing the partly already on the International Space Station. The International Space Station has now 20 years of uh, scientific uh, discoveries. And uh, I think there are about 3,000 experiments which have been done by scientists in 100 countries. So we have learned a lot about extremes and we have been growing uh, you know, plants and, 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 and did food experiments and medical experiments and material science experiments, which you can only do in microgravity. So I think this is something which we have already contributed. It's not so, how to say, well known, but there are a lot of documents which you can read. So we have definitely started to do so. And uh, that has inspired a lot of scientists all over the world. And uh, actually China is now uh, 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 finishing a space station is looking for partners, you know, for doing science and, and engineering. So um, uh, I, I think that has already happened, but uh, um, uh, obviously many of those companies, they will also work with space data. Yeah? And they can use it for so many, many different things. And it is up to their imagination what kind of market they find. And uh, so um, uh, looking at, at data, you know, which are for benefit of Earth or looking in the future, uh, living off the land and developing new technologies, both of them will really have, a, I think, a very important impact you know, on, on society, on Earth, and our, on our technological advancement. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I totally agree with you. The uh, last one we, we tossed in at the end, it was responsibilities. Yeah. And I know you've mentioned a few things that we've got to know the history, but let's take the history out because we've discussed that. What's the responsibility then for the future? I'm changing your outline. What is the responsibility for the future? Well, um, I, I come back to my origins, I'm sorry, and to the incredible earth, because um, I do um, think that the feeling of responsibility, you know, for um, your life, this planet, the future generations comes from understanding better, you know, where do we come from and how unique we are and uh, what is our space environment? What is our environment? Yeah, it's not only, you know, uh, how do you say, uh, um, our daily routines. Uh, uh, it is, you know, of, of looking beyond. And uh, I think uh, space is giving us really an opportunity to look beyond um, a little bit outside and opening, you know, I would say our vision and, um, but with this comes also responsibility because opening our vision and understanding in what quite difficult situation we are, in, uh, in what kind of unique situation we are, that we actually brought ourselves in this situation and in this environment. I think this, this uh, consciousness, I think, helps a little bit in having an um, 
uh, how do you say, uh, a strong influence in moving in the in a good direction. So this is one thing. Our responsibilities are for our future generations. This is clear. This is how society is built. And uh, we have to um, leave the planet to our uh, our children and grandchildren, and we have to do the best as we can and working internationally together. And that sounds, of course, very uh, blah, 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 but um, there is no other way. The, the fact that you think that we will have, a, how do you say, um, uh, the the Avengers working on the six mega challenges, you know, the Avengers have to be connected to society, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, and to raise awareness so that we are at least uh, partly uh, the people which we can reach. Uh, try to go in the same direction. I think this is responsibility. Like we have, for instance, enormous responsibility in space, as you know, we have. Uh, thousands of satellites uh, uh, which are launched um, uh, in, in, in the recent and in the forthcoming years. And we have to understand uh, uh, that we have now, like we have a traffic management on Earth, we have to uh, now uh, space traffic management. We have to understand, you know, in what uh, orbits uh, the satellites are, that they are not colliding, uh, that uh, they are tracked, that we, um, we keep each other safe. Um, and um, uh, and we have to learn a lot of new technologies, and we have to have international rules. And um, uh, this is something what we have now to develop in space is in extreme speed. Yeah, there is no conference which is not um, impacted, you know, by panels and and so on about this topic about governance, sustainability, and sec space security. And um, I think the same uh, uh, really has to happen uh, much, much stronger on Earth. Uh, and in particular, when we introduce new technological advances, which I hope and I'm dreaming of reaching. <laughs> it's a, there are a lot of challenges across the whole list that you, you just tossed out. And it's, it's not going to be an easy road. No. It is uh, not going to be a easy road, but uh, uh, we are not here to go an easy road. No, I, I and it's it's interesting when I, these podcasts are for me to learn. Uh, when I when I break it all down, it uh, we don't we don't make any money off for selling our, our podcasts. Don't generate money. We're not looking for that. We're I'm looking to learn from people I think could challenge me. That's one reason people are on, and I'm looking to help or we're looking to help, Project Moon is looking to help people see the world in a different way. And the expectation is, is that some of these things that you brought up, the international challenges and cooperation, the, the uh, technological advances that need to happen, the, the comments that you made about Mars, all of those help to solidify, desolidify, transform, redefine the future of society. And I'm an optimist in this one way, I'm pragmatic, in one, I need to know what's going on, but I'm an optimist in believing that the work that we're doing and the work that other people are doing will make a difference on a global scale. And if you're, and we're solving for global, we're not solving for a region, we're not solving for a country. We have people all over the world helping us. And our entire endeavor is about bringing, bringing international collaboration together. So you, you hit on many of those points. Is there any last words that you'd like to add? 
No, I think I want to thank you. It was, you know, such a conversation, uh, in particular when it is not scripted, um, makes you think. And I'm sure I'm going to think the whole night, first of all, because I have jet lag uh, from uh, having been too long in, in, in South America. But uh, it is, um, uh, I, th I think uh, this is, you know, as I'm coming back to the first uh, uh, words of this post podcast that, it took, you know, 4.5 billion years, you know, to develop an intelligent species like us. And we have to use our brain, you know, in order to survive, to develop, to evolve, and, um, and uh, probably right now to save the planet and uh, to save peace and yeah. um, uh, look at the mega challenges and and I, I want to thank you just because it, 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 it gives people like me, which are really, really enthusiastic about science and technology development, um, um, also some kind of food of, of, of thinking further and uh, learning more. I think I, I love to learn and I hope that other people uh, do that too, because uh, it, it's fantastic, you know, to be on this planet. There is every day there is there's something new to learn about. Like I was in Ecuador and so all those species, you know, in, 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 the, in the forest, we, there's so much to learn on this planet and we have to stay positive and um, I would say uh, serene in heart that we are, that we will overcome challenges. If we are falling into a hole of pessimism, we, we cannot function. And oh. I think you are, with your podcast and also with your ideas and so on, you you move into this direction. And I think it's important that 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 people learn also to move into this direction. Well, you should. Uh, I'm going to toss this out. It's not something you have to do, but the, the International Space University. I don't know how many of them even know that we have a podcast. We are, as you know, we're very different. And I, from the first moment I met you, we had a great conversation last time. I appreciate the conversation this time. We're challenging the the entire ecosystem in a way that's different and uh, the word there's there's three words in the english language that are very common one of them is uh, problem the other one is challenge and the other one is opportunity the word problem when you think about it biologically the minute you hear it you go oh someone comes to you a friend i got a problem yeah. and we substitute or i've substituted it's a there's a book that i wrote uh, and inclusive in there is this concept that a challenge mentally puts you in a position of solving. If I said to you, I have a challenge, you say, oh, what do you, what do you need to solve? If I say you have a problem, I don't know if I have time to help you with that. If I say opportunity, it kind of gets a little oversold. Opportunities could be to make money, to be involved in stuff. So the word challenge, and that's why it's the six mega challenges. We need to solve those challenges. And so our project, we have people all over the world, as I mentioned, we're working on things in a very counterintuitive way, everything from platforms to tech transfer to uh, immersive technologies, 3D, 4D, digital te uh, haptic technologies, all of those. We're working very quietly. We're not public. We don't want to put, we don't put a lot out there. And we're working very hard to be able to create this new future that we think is not, we don't, if you notice, it doesn't say to make, uh, that, there's a word, we don't say we're going to make life, we improve life on earth for all species. We can't say it'll be better because we don't know what better is, it's relative. 
it's that we will have a place that we can live and thrive into the future. So we actually see in our narrative, and I'm using we, there's a lot of me in here, but we see the next 25 years not being as nice and as comfortable. We have a lot of challenge to overcome. But in the next 15 to 20 years, we'll start to see a retransformation because 3.2 billion people will die, unfortunately, because or normally because of their normal life expectancy. And this generation in, in 40 years, the people who are 20 years old today will be us. And they will have lived a life different than we will have lived. And that's why we use this. That's We have a 45-year plan. It fits into an evolution of a new and different way in which we live on this planet and all positive. It's just going to be different. So I want to thank you, uh, Pasquale, for taking the time today. I really do. I appreciate it very much. I do want you to stay on after we close off because we could talk afterwards, but I want to thank you for taking the time uh, today. I want to thank anybody who's listened in today to hear, I appreciate, we appreciate that you've taken the time to learn something new that will make a difference in your life and the lives of others. Again, Project Moon Hut Foundation, where we're looking to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon. We're not about settlement and colonization, a box with a roof and a door on the moon, a home, a moon hut, through the accelerated development of an earth and space-based ecosystem. Then to take the innovations, the paradigm-shifting thinking, and the endeavor and turn it back on Earth to improve how we live on Earth for all species. Again, you can go to the website, projectmoonhut.org. We're working on a new one. But in the top right-hand corner, there are two videos, three videos. You can watch them all, two of them, one and three is what I typically recommend. And uh, Pasquale, is there one single best way for individuals to get a hold of you? Um, uh, yes, uh, uh, um, I, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm, <laughs> uh, and I think my, my emails are anyway uh, on the internet. So uh, I'm actually easy to reach. So I, I have it written here, but I don't want to misspell it on LinkedIn. Why don't you spell your uh, family name? Uh, it's E-H-R-E-N-F-R-E-U-N-D. Hey, that's what I had, but you never know. Uh, I've, I was I least likely to succeed if you had to consider spelling as my uh, criteria for moving forward. Okay, and I'd love to connect to you. You can connect to me at david at moonhut.org. You can connect with us on Twitter at, at Project Moonhut. We're on LinkedIn and Facebook. We don't put a lot up there, a little bit on Instagram. Our real look is for individuals who want to make a difference to connect with us. And then we find a home and then we don't talk about it. We work. So. That said, I'm David Goldsmith, and thank you for listening.